Today's pod is brought to you by Waterfront Comics, located at 609 Main Street, Sassoon City, California. Open every day from 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. So if you're looking for a gift for an avid comic book reader or a collectible for a friend, come to Waterfront Comics. John is the guy to see. And if you can't come in person, no worries. Waterfront Comics does ship to home via their email, waterfrontcomics at gmail.com. Hey everybody, this is James. And Marco. And Nabil. And this is the Movie Pals Podcast, podcast number 61. Today we actually have Nabil back. Hi guys. So I know a lot of you guys were asking how we're going to fix the audio and such like that. So we uh, flew Nabil out here. <laughs> so uh, right. we're going to need you guys to subscribe more. Uh, we need some more ad money because uh, I'm going to be doing a lot of flights back and forth. Yeah, we're actually going to start a Patreon and that's uh, <laughs> at Movie Pals Pot. I'm just kidding. No, we're, we're not. No, uh, Nabil's visiting. We should, so though. we uh, decided to... Uh, Jump on this opportunity. That's why uh, a lot of you guys have been patient. It's been about a week out uh, past our episode due date. but So, hey, we're going to give you one to this week, and you're gonna, you get one next week, too. It's a little double feature. Yay. That's right. So today, we're going to be going over what we've been watching. We're going to do a mini review of the Studio Ghibli film Grave of the Fireflies, followed by a main review of the new mystery film by Ryan Johnson, Knives Out. Without further ado, though, guys, let's get into what we've been watching. Well, I know we started with this fine gentleman last episode too, but since he is also the guest of honor today, I figured I'd let him start us off also on this episode. So, Nabil, what have you been watching? Well, Marco, as you know, um, I was traveling. There was a lot of uh, things going on at home, you know, in the new state. Yeah, just get to the point, bro. So you, just you saw. So I haven't really been able to it? watch much, but excuses. <laughs> no, um, I did see a couple a couple things actually. Uh, got to go and see that new movie Last Christmas. That's the film that was directed by Paul Feig. Um, is that is that Feig? Feig? It's Paul Feig. Feig. I believe. I believe. Feige? It's it's spelled Feige? with an F. That's is it Feig? Paul Feig? I think it's Feig. That's the film of Star. Now, now I'm thinking Feige from Marvel, but that's kind of know. what I'm thinking of too. Yeah. Oh wait, maybe that's what I'm thinking too. Then <laughs> I actually probably am. Um, stars Amelia Clark and Henry Golding from um, Crazy Rich Crazy Asians. Rich Asians. Um, so this film is, as it is in its name, Last Christmas. It's a uh, Christmas film. Uh, Emilia Clark stars as Kate. She's a young woman uh, subscribed to a bunch of bad decisions. Her last date was a disaster. Um, she has basically accepted work as, quote, Santa's elf at a Christmas store for uh, a year-round Christmas store. And she ends up meeting this guy, Tom, who is Henry Golding's character. Um, and her life takes a new turn. And uh, it seems a little too good to be true. So, you know, sweet little Christmas movie. And I know, James, you had seen this film as well. And um, we have different opinions, I think, on the film. I, I For the record... Have you I seen it? I have not seen it. No. Okay. I like the film. I didn't think it was as uh, sweet as the trailers had made it seem, but I liked uh, Amelia Clark and Henry Golding's uh, relationship together. Every time they were on screen together, it was really fun. Yeah. Um, but, I'll give it that, I guess. <laughs> but definitely not. Uh, and the music was good. I like the George. It's all it's it's just George, George Michael, George Michael yeah. music. So, you know, if you like so George amazing. Michael, wham. It's fun, and they really do try to work in all the songs and the themes. The movie is based on the George Michael song, which Last is Christmas, super odd. Until you which realize... actually tells a tale, and if you listen to the lyrics, <laughs> yes. 
Yeah, and I remember you told me it. that, and, and I, they, I didn't believe you until I read up on that, and I was like, oh, shit. And they shit. made a fucking movie on Especially it. Especially how it ends, you realize, oh, oh, okay, this is how they tie in Last Christmas. <sighs> yeah. Um, this is not a good movie. <laughs> I don't know what you smoked before you went, but I went sober, and um, I saw this with Janelli and her brother, so we all three went and watched this one. And I'm glad I only paid the 50 cent processing fee for Regal Unlimited. <laughs> oh, did you get a free, uh, free oh, yeah. ticket? Oh, would, yeah. I would not pay for this movie. The, the, don't get me wrong. It's where Paul Feige, Paul Feig, what the fuck his name is, He's uh, he already butchered the Ghostbusters movie, so he decided to butcher a Lifetime movie, too, I guess. So um, It's just strange, though, because I liked his last movie. The one, um, a simple... Uh, the one favor. With, simple, simple favor. Simple favor was really good. Yeah. And... I mean, he can write smart comedy, so it's funny that and this one is such like out of left were, field. The jokes were funny when they when they were you know what jokes he had on it. I think the trailer revealed a little too much, though. Did, there yeah. is a twist to this movie that I think is really apparent. Um, if you've ever seen any movie, and I truthfully, I think they kind of even they almost give away it. Yeah, to tell you the truth, yeah, I think they kind of do. I do agree, agree with your take that it is basically kind of style in that Lifetime movie way, um, and like maybe like a Hallmark channel if we're going to give it a, <laughs> one yeah. level up. Yeah, but it's one um, of those like Hallmark holiday ones. Yeah, but the thing is, I think that because they have these stars in it, they made it in theaters, yeah, they're just trying to make it a bigger production. It would have been fine as a Hallmark film or like those Christmas Netflix films. I actually didn't you know? even know he directed it until watching the movie and then the cre- uh, the pre-credits come on. And I was like, what the hell? I was like, that's weird. Because it just it doesn't seem like what this trail of movies does. He, the same guy that did Bridesmaids, for fuck's sake. Right. So, I don't know. It, for the most part, yeah, I like the chemistry between Golding and That Amelia was the Clark. strongest part of that film. Yeah. Uh, it's there's not a lot of scenes of it though, truthfully. It's, no, the which main is focus, unfortunate. Yeah, the main focus is on her life, and she's just not a very likable person in this movie. Which I think so. they were trying to portray. They give her redemption kind of in the second half of the film, but I think no, I no, mean, which is true because yeah. they're like, oh, but I mean, it, it still doesn't really pay off. As by well doing as that though, it also makes it like super predictable. Yeah, the film the film tone changes pretty like dramatically where it yeah. goes and you're not quite ready to go on that journey with it from where you were going from not and quite seemed, yeah. yeah and it's it, it is a weird direction i like james said i mean i did like the film but i do think that you're better off waiting if it's you know if it's still in the theater i mean to see so it's a renter at best yeah or yeah, at worst or like when it goes on hbo or something yeah. check it out but it, it's also one of those movies where it runs a little too long, too, pacing-wise. Yeah. There's a lot of, like, tight, like yeah. we get it. Like, okay, Amelia Clark's per- her character is shitty, right? And the whole point is, like, throughout the movie, like, okay, we fucking get that. And they, I think they just keep adding on to it a little too much at the beginning. Like, okay, I get and it. And yeah. she's the one, and the thing is, is that she's also self-destructive in the film. So everything that she's, that's yeah, you can't to even, her is You can't even fault. root for her too much. Cause you, you guys, as, you guys aren't really selling me. No, we're not, I mean, well, yeah, I'm not I'm, trying I'm, to sell it to you. <laughs> Yeah, as as I talk it through with James, he might have uh, swayed me a little bit more than I realized. Well, I I, I mean, uh, when can generally can come up to me afterwards and be like, "Oh, that wasn't good." I'm like, "Oh, that must have really not been right. good." So, yeah. oh, so maybe wait till it comes out on HBO or Netflix. <laughs> wait till you find it in the bargain bin uh, Black yeah. Friday next year. <laughs> Watch it. Put put it on when you can't sleep at night. There right. you go. Yeah. No. Um. <laughs> just fuck. play George Michael songs. Yeah. Well, honestly, that's probably the best part. Is no, Michael's it song. is the soundtrack's the best. Thing. Yeah. Sorry. Um. And so, so moving on to the other thing I've watched here as well. I've uh, watched the second season of Jack Ryan. Um. That's filmed with John. Uh, the show on Amazon Prime with John Krasinski, and also this season starring uh, Naomi Rapace. Rapace. 
She she was in yeah um, Alien Covenant, and she was in the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo series, um, the Swedish version. Which so the second season is basically Jack Ryan searches for the truth behind uh, Venezuela's uh, transactions with various world powers, and um, he goes with a senator to kind of investigate that. And he finds himself in the midst of kind of a re-election campaign that's going on with two different parties. And, um, you know, people die. Like real life. Yeah, people die. There are explosions. There's riots. Um, Not as fun as the first season. Um, The character itself. Yeah, the the story's fine. It would be probably pretty riveting overall. But I think what... So I watched the whole season and I, I did like how that story ended to a point but john krasinski's character john jack ryan he is so much more confident in this season which i took away from the whole first season of him you know being an analyst and not really in in the field i've never seen it so yeah so that i think like even in the movies he's portrayed kind of someone that isn't always 100 percent sure he's just sort of following the data and trying to see if the data makes sense to the situation. Right. Have you seen the season at all? Um, I, I haven't, not yet. Yeah. I, I've only seen the first season, and I liked his portrayal in that one, but yeah, I've heard similar things like what you're saying, how like they make his character a little too different than what he originally is. They take away what I, I thought made the show itself unique compared to like some of the movies and the... Uh, uh, well, I mean, the movies and even some of the adaptations they've tried to make in, in general from like the books. Right. That's that's kind of what was lost, that little magic. I mean, they don't even have the love interest that was in the first film. doesn't exist in this film at all. So I guess they're just not together. I don't, I don't know. Ooh, what spoilers. Yeah, I'm just well, kidding. Yeah, a little spoiler, but like she's just not there. So we that's don't know what's so, going with so that. That's so weird. Yeah. So okay. they, and there's a little bit of a dynamic between him and um, one of the mentors in the, in the series, who's, I'm sorry, whose name I don't have. Um, that was kind of fun in the first season, but in this season, it's it's really not the same kind of dynamic. So, so they've definitely changed how the characters interact and um, how the characters are being portrayed. Um, like I said, the story itself is still political. It's interesting enough, but um, I didn't really feel like there was any. You don't like the new direction of the characters? Yeah, basically. I'm hoping that they maybe you know change it up back to something a little bit more. Maybe it's like a sophomore, yeah. sophomore kind of salon. They're, they're trying to change it up, see something different. I, I'm definitely looking forward yeah. to the next season. I, I do want to continue watching it, but it was a little bit more difficult to want to finish this season than it was for the first. So, yeah. So that's what Shit. I've been watching. Okay. okay. So a little, little bad, a little okay. Stuff okay. in there, <laughs> nothing, nothing too top notch. I'll say that much. What about uh, what about you, James? What have you been watching? Uh, I've actually been watching quite a few movies. I saw a lot of movies, saw a lot of TV shows. The extra week actually helped out a lot because I I knocked out a couple more things. Um, as you know, I saw Last Christmas. Yep, that was a train wreck. So um, I also take. saw. <laughs> I went and saw various different movies with different people fans of the show i guess you'd say so i went and saw doctor sleep the new um horror film from um mike flanagan who uh did the netflix show house on haunting house of haunting of hill house sorry and he's done a couple of other uh horror films that i've talked about uh leading up to this one i think he's brilliant and this is basically a sequel to the shining it's more a sequel to the novel but it's set in the universe of the movies if that makes sense to right, like, right. keep the thematic kind of imagery from there it's really kind hard of balance to... both yeah because it's it's hard to sway from that look i guess too 
I think that's kind of like the whole point is like they could have tried to do their own thing, but it, it's such an iconic original film that it sure. would be hard to make your own. Like, oh, this is our version of it. Like, right. oh, yeah. They did a pretty damn good job first time around, right? Yeah. Makes sense, though. I mean, it's hard to live up to that film's legacy. Yeah. The Shining, that so is. So this one, it stars Ewan McGregor. He's playing um, uh, Danny in this one. A Jedi Knight. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> It's 30 years later, and he basically has been living with The Shining his entire life, trying to kind of deal with it. And it's not going well for him. He's an alcoholic, and he's doing drugs, and he's kind of down on his luck until he kind of stumbles around. I think it's Castle Rock he's at, by the way. They kind of don't really tell you, but he stumbles tiny across a tiny town in Maine somewhere. Classic. Where yeah, he, Stephen uh, King trope. Yeah, where he kind of um, figures out his life by going to an AA meeting finally. <laughs> that long it's a good yeah. Yeah. he finds some friends finally and it flashes forward like eight years afterwards right okay that's a lot of time jumps this thing so e mcgregor looks like he's anywhere from age 30 to 46 at any given time You're like yeah. oh okay that makes sense e mcgregor pull it off eight years hits him hard okay and basically <laughs> danny is now working at a hospital where he gives the ability to the People that are about to die. He works at a hospice. That's why. Ah, I see. And he's kind of their last person that sees them before they die. And he, he kind of guides them into the afterlife. And that's they call him Dr. Sleep. Oh, that's the title oh, that of the movie, sense, guys. Though. And something happens where Danny, for the last eight years, has actually been talking to a little girl that has powers like him through kind of like telekinetically, but he's never met her. But after a super tragic, something tragic happens... This group of people that are kind of immortal are hunting the girl down because she's incredibly powerful. They're called the Top Knot. And basically, Danny, who has been living kind of as like a recluse, very Obi-Wan-like, by the way. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He doesn't want to show his powers off. Just saying, man. Decides to finally kind of, just um, just like the guy in the first movie showed him the way of how to use the Shining, he finds the girl and kind of starts becoming her mentor and they have to figure out a way to defeat the top knot yeah, so, yeah i kind of yeah. caught that from the trailer where it, yeah. it mirrors that when yeah. he has that he's talk a, with the with he's the guy like in the, the kitchen he's like the reluctant hero like no i've seen horrors my whole life and yeah i don't want you to have to experience that shit but the girl is incredibly powerful and then he's like well they're not doing these dark tower movies so i guess we gotta go rock and roll <laughs> with this shit basically so yeah Basically, the Carrie shows up. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I liked it a lot. As a fan of The Shining, I think it's really well paced. Um, it does make a lot of references to The Shining. I was told Mark about this. That's probably the weakest point of the movie. Is you where don't they... like that, the references? Because as an original story, it actually does well. When it starts leaning back toward near the end of the film. The movie's two and a half hours long, by the way, too. It's incredible. Wow. It yeah. feels like too much fan service or like it's leaning too it much is, on that. Don't get like me wrong. Crutch. I read up on like that the book is does the same thing. So it's like, oh, okay. It, it wants to remind you like, hey, by the way, don't remember or don't forget. So we don't forget. This is Danny Torrance. His fucking dad did some shit at the hotel too. Remember? Yeah. And the fact that they, I mean, no spoiler. They show this in the trailer that like they go back to the hotel. Yeah. I would have liked that. That would have been like a reveal because that would have been super cool. The, the hotel part? Show, yeah, they're like, oh, by the way. I mean, it would have been nice, yeah. I would have been like, what the fuck? Where are they going? Why are they going back to Colorado, that's like, right? supposed to be a big, big scene. And then out of nowhere, they're like, guess what? Who cares? He's already yeah. back. <laughs> yeah, we're going to show you in the trailer because our marketing team did a fucking terrible like, job hey, guys, for this movie. Jack Nicholson's right here. We're gonna and show it flopped him. really hard, by the way. No one went and saw this fucking movie. That's kind of disappointing. I'm a little surprised. They advertised it pretty well. Don't release your movie a week after Halloween is my fucking... 
uh, advice to the guys next time for a horror film. I mean, that's true. Yeah. They have a really disturbing scene, too, that involves a, a kid in this one, so maybe that threw people off. So. Oh, yeah. That would I mean, I thought it was hilarious. But no, that's good. <laughs> I mean, look, <laughs> you, you got to push boundaries. I mean, you, you have to push boundaries at some point, right? I, under, I understand I there's some disturbing shit, but I mean... No, but that's not why people didn't see it. I, I, I don't think a lot of people knew this was even a sequel to The Shining, even though that they second really trailer was like, I called it The it, Shining. Yeah. Yeah. I was almost going to say that's probably also why they leaned heavily on like the flashback. Not the flashbacks, they, they but that in the, they the callbacks. Had, they almost had to show the hotel like, hey, you remember anybody? But yeah, but by doing that also, shining too, guys. it's kind of like a going for a more niche audience that likes that film. So maybe that's part of the reason. I don't know. They're going to lose some money. I guess the, their yeah. audience filled them then. Which sucks because Mike Flanagan is my favorite, one of my favorite fucking directors, man. So it just sucks. Uh, I saw that with with my buddy Chris and his wife Fona, so that was a fun uh, one. We all enjoyed it for the most part. So right it is really long, though. I'll say that much. Yeah. It could almost have benefited from being maybe twenty minutes shorter. I mean, I'm hoping I can catch it this weekend along with some other stuff. We'll see if I can figure. Yeah, it. I don't know. I also went with a friend of mine, uh, Jasmine, and her brother. We went and saw Jojo Rabbit, which is the new Taika Waititi film that is a. Uh, I guess I call it a political satire on World War II Nazis, I guess. Yeah. In a way. So basically, it talks about this young boy named Jojo growing up in World War II near the tail end of World War II. And he is joining the Hitler Youth. And his imaginary friend comes in the form of Taika Waititi playing uh, Hitler. And what ensues is uh, some pretty hilarious shit, actually, because it's... uh, (laughs) Tell you the truth, it's oh, it's man. pretty fucking funny, man. It, it's very touching too. His mom is played by Scarlett Johansson, who I think is a scene stealer in every scene here. She's very, she does a really good job. Yeah, kind of trying to give him hope. She's she's the person that tells him like, because JoJo is obsessed with like, I know it sounds weird. He wants to be like Hitler's fucking like personal bodyguard, and he's like, really? he's, yeah, he like everything. He's like, oh, I really want to make sure you know. He's but he's German. I'm not gonna do the voice, but yeah. And his mom is trying to tell him, like, this war is pointless, and she's kind of, like, the voice of reasoning behind it, and it's his dad's off in the war somewhere, and JoJo's a very kind of awkward kid, I would say, growing up in a time, and it kind of shows you his imagination and what he has to do to get through the end, but uh, I guess the twist is, as you can see in the trailer, too, because people show too much shit in trailers, his mom is hiding a Jewish girl uh, in their apartment, so... I didn't actually see that part yeah of so what ensures ensues from this point is jojo basically has to he starts to learn that you know the jewish people are actual people you know right and i mean they make fun of it in the beginning like oh they have horns and they steal money and yeah i mean stereotypes yeah i mean while half of that's true you know so i mean <laughs> if you drink the kool-aid i mean yeah sure <laughs> yeah. i'm kidding uh so but then he starts to kind of learn, like, oh, she's like a, she's just a girl, and it's like she's in a really shitty position, and it's it's actually very touching. It has a really good message overall in the movie, yeah. and on top of that, it has some really good performances. Sam Rockwell is this uh, German commander that is supposed to be in charge of all these kids, and uh, he's hilarious because he's very sarcastic. Is it like a, it's like a Hitler Scouts kind of thing? The Hitler it, Youth. Like the Hitler yeah. Youth, yeah. kind of. They don't really call him Hitler Youth, though. They have another name for him. But it's funny because, like, Sam Rockwell's character will constantly be like, yeah, they wanted me to just uh, give up on the war and watch over these boys, so here <laughs> I am. <laughs> like, even he knows it's, like, fucking stupid. He's like, what the fuck am I doing here? Because he's, like, an actual, like, tank commander. He's like, mm. yeah, so they brought me back, and now I'm over here teaching you guys how to make fires. <laughs> yeah. like that, yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, highly recommend it. It's really smart. It's really funny. It's kind of it's kind of sad actually near the end. It's got kind of couple scenes that are like I did not expect it to go that way. But um, yeah, I liked it a lot. I'd highly recommend that one. Wrong. Um, I'm just gonna say one last one here, guys, real quick. Um, actually, James, we're out of time, so uh, uh, cut for time. Here. <laughs> cut for time here. Um, I want to let you guys know because I mean, Nabil did too. So I was like, "Fuck it, I'll I'll pick up the slack." Um, <laughs> I saw on the new Disney Plus format here, guys. I know we all watched Mandalorian, but I also watched Lady and the Tramp. By the way, yeah. that's the other exclusive film, and that movie was fantastic. Just to let you know, I enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. I liked it a lot. I didn't think I was gonna like it. At first, I thought the CG was like, uh, CG looks weird. And, uh, but man, Lady as the dog, God, I just want a better. <laughs> just want to just James, give... James really wants a dog. Yeah, I do. Somebody yeah. help him. I was like, I just want to give her kisses on the top of her head and <laughs> tell her everything will be okay. Big kiss or little kiss? Both kisses. <laughs> no, the dogs are adorable in this movie, yeah, man. Really it stays really close to, while updating a bit to the whole story of the uh, 50s classic. I would say that it's really well done. The voice acting is really well done, too, in this one. It looks really good. It was shot really nicely, too. Um, if you have Disney+, Plus, which, I mean, a lot of people are... I mean, they're probably burned through their seven-day trial by now, but anybody that kept it, uh, <laughs> definitely much. check it out. That's all. And uh, one last thing I'll mention on the way out, too. Uh, I also saw Ford vs. Ferrari with Marco, and I also saw oh, yeah. Midway with Mikey. So I, I literally saw a movie a lot of days, I guess is what I'm getting at. So, uh, Marco, what about you, bud? I've seen quite a few things also. Actually, Ford versus Ferrari is one of the ones that's actually going to bring up. That is correct. Nice. We did go see that one. The- and actually, just as a side note, I know we were originally supposed to review that as we announced our last one. Yeah. But sometimes things change. So when Nabil announced that he was coming and then we noticed we could see Knives Out and actually get ahead of it before the movie even technically releases. I'm doing air quotes that you guys can't see. On Wednesday, I see you. Yeah, you guys can actually listen to it before the movie comes out, which we don't get a lot of opportunities to do. Yeah, is why we did it. So exactly, you, you know, things switch around. Yeah, we made a little adjustment. Okay, okay, that's all we had to do. And on that note, just as James said, we went to go see Ford versus Ferrari, the 2019 drama slash biography. And if you haven't seen the trailer, basically. The movie's about uh, Henry Ford II hires Carroll Shelby the, and his driver, Ken Miles, to build a race car that will challenge Enzo Ferrari and pretty much beat him out in the 1966 24-hour Le Mans race. And that's pretty much it. Yeah. The rest I mean, is history, guys. You, know, yeah, you can Wikipedia so. that shit. No, I'm just kidding. I mean, if you if you don't know the story, I would say don't do it. Just yeah, like, yeah, very. Yeah, I, I think we all three knew the outcome. I yeah. mean, it's pretty. I, I, I didn't, and I'll talk on that in oh, a little okay. bit. So the, the movie stars Matt Damon as Carol Shelby, Christian Bale as the race car driver Ken Miles, John Bernthal as Lee Iacocca, or as I like to call him, less intense Shane, and uh, <laughs> Katriona Belf as Molly Miles, Ken's wife, and Josh Lucas from Stealth <laughs> as Leo Beebe. Is that his biggest movie? He's back, baby. He's back. Sorry, the whole the whole movie. I kept uh, talking to James. I'm like, this this is the guy from that one Jet movie, and I finally remember. I always the name. remember from Poseidon, so the remake. I mean, that too. It, yeah, it was the film where Jamie Foxx's career what started high well, and then And then he was also in that movie where he coached the basketball team. Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I know him more from Stealth. I've seen I also most. remember him because he's the voice of the fucking Home Depot guy for all their sales. So there you go. That Holy is something shit! I didn't Every know. commercial you just blew my mind. Him. That's him, boys. 
But yeah. This Home Depot, Black Friday, come on in. Sorry. I'll, I'll never <laughs> see those the same. So yeah, uh, the story in the movie was very captivating. Uh, I went in blind. I didn't know anything about the story, really. I mean, I sort of heard about it, but I never really read up on it. So as James was saying, it's probably better to go in blind. I mean, if yeah. if you know the story, then you know that's fine. The, the pacing was done really well in the movie. I really liked it. All the practice trials and the car building as they're trying to build this, this car to beat Enzo Ferrari. All those scenes were very cool. Uh, if you like, you know, that sort of stuff. The character development was pretty short with Shelby, though, I want to say. Like, Matt Damon's character. There's really not much that they focus I mean, on him. they hint a lot at, like, his past stuff, and you not, get a glimpse of not it. Not really. They only focus on his one race at Le Mans, and that's about it. Which is a and pretty And a health issue. Though. They mainly yeah. more... They mainly focus on on Ken Miles, and if you watch the movie or you know the history, you know why. Yeah. So you get more relevations of his past, and you know everything that brought him into this situation and wanting to you know take on this race. Um, but really, that wasn't much of a problem for me. Uh, Damon's performance really made it up for me, as well as Christian Bale, because they both really immerse themselves in this movie. All the racing scenes were fucking fantastic. I yeah, loved every really single good. one of those. I mean, basically, that's what you're all going to watch this movie for, right? So those were very well worth it. Uh, it's thrilling, heart pumping. And if you can pay the extra dollars, I want to say it's definitely worth it to go see it in IMAX. Because, you know, it's definitely, you know, more surround sound. But um, it does help to go in blind, as I said. If not, if you know the story, it's still enjoyable. It stays true to the story for the most part. There were only just a few things they, you know, tweaked here and there, which I'm not going to spoil. But, I mean, overall, I really enjoyed it. I think that, you know, it's a very fun movie for, you know, people who are into cars and like racing movies. So if you're into that sort of stuff, I highly recommend it. Go see it in theaters. If not, it's definitely renter on my list. Aside for that... Um, as James mentioned, also, we're all on <laughs> Disney+. Plus. And yes, we have been watching The Mandalorian. And The Mandalorian is actually, you know, a really fucking great show. Um, it's, you know, the one originally that they do have right now. And it's basically about a Mandalorian bounty hunter in the Star Wars universe trying to survive in the Outer Rim systems five years after Return of the Jedi. It stars Pedro Pascal as The Mandalorian himself, Carl Weathers, Apollo Creed himself as Grief Karga, Warner Herzog comes in as the character of the client. So far, I'm really enjoying mm. it. The visual effects are great. It's like movie quality. Oh, and yeah. I always have to oh, push yeah. that because, I mean, you, you try to look for the mistakes in TV CGI. And in this one, you really can't you really can't tell, which is part of the reason I forgive the fact that aside from the first episode, all, all the ones that follow it are only like 30, 35 minutes long. Yeah, they're but really short. They're, def they're definitely worth the quality, though. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, that's good. I mean, we'll see. Acting and dialogue is really great. I'm really enjoying it. The story is pretty simple and basic, but intriguing at the same time. You're basically seeing this, this Mandalorian just basically, you know, trying to make ends meet, gathering up bounties from, from Grief, a.k.a. Carl's, Carl Weathers, and... You know, trying to make that cheddar cheese and um, <laughs> just trying to make his armor, bro. Yeah, ex exactly. Trying so to make that Django fit. Pascal does a great job at expressing his emotion despite never taking off his mask. Um, Herzog doesn't phone it in as well. It's always fun to see him play these types of characters. He's like uh, an old like imperial either moff or governor of a territory. Because in, in this universe, if you're not up to Star Wars lore. The Empire has broken up because it's five years after Return of the Jedi. And so all the factions of the Empire are kind of spread out in the galaxy trying to, you know, hide from the New Republic or whatnot. 
so far in the series right now, the, the Mandalorian struggles with this code of honor, which favors like warriors in battle and, and their armor. That's pretty much like their religion. They fight to improve their armor and make it the best they can because they hand it out from generation to generation. And that's basically what he's trying to do. But his latest bounty right now is basically making him question that and his honor as well, too. I'm not going to give away why if you haven't started the show. So right now, these two ideals are clashing, and I think that's really helping with the storytelling and is making it a very interesting story within the Star Wars universe. If you're a huge fan of Star Wars, I got to say you have to watch this. John Favreau and also Dave Filoni have done a great job and making this feel like classic Star Wars as well as something new. So I'm really enjoying it. I just I just want to say I know you were trying not to spoil it, but if if you're not on social media, then um, you should already know this if you are. So um, don't ruin it, Nibble. Yeah, don't. don't, don't. There's, just kidding. Go ahead. Who the fuck cares? You know what? Yeah, skip yeah. ahead. 10, everybody, 10, everybody 15 seconds. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's the three episodes in, guys. Uh, Baby Yoda. Is adorable. Oh, that's what you're gonna that's say. That's all he was pulling. Yeah, I, I thought you were about to talk about the Jawas. No, <laughs> eating the egg yolk. Sugar. That's oh, it's like the most adorable honey. little creature there. Is is Baby Yoda, and that's worth watching for the show just alone. Yeah, mm. I mean they've never touched the species that he is, other than yeah. like Yaddle in Episode One, and I guess a little bit in Episode Two. But uh, yeah, because back the... in the day, George Lucas, that's the only thing people with expanded universe could not touch at all. Yeah, his lore. And now that the expanded universe is out the window, they can actually explore that. And oh, see, not even that. It's you know, just uh, when you sell your company for four billion dollars, they can <laughs> they, do whatever they, they want. Yeah, they he's want. like, "Fuck it, burn it for all I care." Where, where can we get? No, I, I mean, side note, I think he's really regretful about selling Star Wars. Actually, I'm sure. from the recent interviews, so probably we'll see. Yeah, it's his baby. Like and yeah, really quick, just as a quick. Shout out, I guess, if you will. I've also started uh, Silicon Valley Season 6 on HBO. The farewell season. Yes, it is the final season. And it's created by Mike Judge, you know, who did Beavis and Butthead, King of the Hill, Idiocracy, all those great, great pieces of iconic imagery. Anyway, um, it's great. It's fantastic. It's smart. It's funny. I'll get more on it as I continue to finish the season on HBO now. All I'm going to say is if you haven't started it, give it a shot. So, yeah, that's pretty much all I've been watching. All right, let's move on now to our mini review of Grave of the Fireflies. From the legendary studio Ghibli and Academy Award-nominated director Iso Takahata, Grave of the Fireflies comes to select cinemas nationwide. Two children fend for themselves in the final days of the Second World War in the 30th anniversary special presentation of this emotional masterpiece. All right, guys, so the IDV uh, description on this one is a young boy and his little sister struggle to survive in Japan during World War II. So this is directed by Iso Takahata. Uh, I only put down the movie that you guys would know that he'd done so far. That's Pom Poco's uh, 1994 film, the one with the raccoons. He has done quite a few other ones. He's kind of the secondary uh director that's known with um right hayao Miyazaki would be the main one iso takahata is kind of the one that did kind of more serious shit as you guys have now know yes. oh no shit um so for instance he's he does like my neighbor the yamadas he does uh, princess kaguya later on and all this stuff so you'll 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 see what i mean uh this stars uh once again american cast here guys adam gibbs is Saita. Uh, Saida, sorry, 
Emily Neves as Setsko and Marcy Banner as Aunt, as well as Shelly Kaleen Black as the mother. I was I only put that down. I was like, did she say one fucking word? Maybe tops. So just in a flashback, just, maybe. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I'm gonna. I didn't realize this, but both I knew Marco hadn't seen it. Obviously, but Nabil, you hadn't seen this one I hadn't either. Seen huh? this either yeah. So I'll start with you, Nabil. What did you think about this one overall? Oh, it's dark. It's uh, it it's much more um intense than i thought it was going to be and not in the sense of even just the imagery just the subject matter the way they touch it it's yeah. it's a very um it wasn't what i was expecting it to be even when you could see where the setting was yeah um it's like it doesn't always end in rainbows and butterflies yeah correct I mean, it's 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 really just about it's like james saying where this director is definitely going with uh, a political statement almost but it's more like realities of war and the casualties of war even if you're not actually directly participating in war um it affects everyone yeah it affects everyone and it's a very interesting um viewpoint really like it could be just like watching a a live action drama and saying this kind of story like watching this is it's not what you expect going in and it's it made me honestly it started making me think a little bit of what some of those people, whether good or bad, on whatever side of the the war you're on, um, you know what people went through, and this is just a, a glimpse of kids, some of those people, you know, yeah, especially point, the children yeah. like that. So, yeah. I, it was very touching, but it was it was much more uh, intense than I had anticipated. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Marco? I agree with everything the bill said. I know that uh, James, you had mentioned how this is kind of like a tough watch. And it's you know pretty dark and it's probably the roughest out of all the movies. Yeah, I, I didn't really yeah. accept that until I actually started watching it, and I was like, wow, this is really this is dark. This, I mean, there's a sense of realism to a lot of things. Yeah, now, there's a lot of imagery. Don't get me wrong, but it's very straightforward in yeah. in everything. There's you you really do see the destruction and the death that happens in a war torn environment, and like what Nabil was saying, you see the 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 additional casualties which is the you know the innocence specifically like the young the youth you know everything that affects a society that isn't um you know that isn't really prepared for this type of scenario or even if they are that just suffers through the consequences and i say that it really did tug on your empathy and made you feel what these people were experiencing like it was yeah. it was just gut-wrenching many of the scenes were gut-wrenching yeah. like it was an emotional roller coaster because there were some really nice scenes with uh saita and sets uh sets you know trying to make the best of the worst situation oh yeah and it just man. It shows you like brotherly love too he's really trying to look out for his sister yeah yeah i liked a lot of the scenes i mean uh, she gets annoying as fuck sometimes but i mean she's act- she's reacting to it i think in a realistic way exactly you know like as much as, as i want a bitch that she's crying at night but i'm like well fuck her mom just fucking died you yeah. know like her mom died there's there's no food i mean kids eat like crazy when you know they're trying to grow and stuff yeah. so you can only imagine the type of hunger that they were facing and Saita too, just trying to be, you know, strong for the both of them and just trying not to break down. It's really rough to watch, but overall, I, I did enjoy it. It was a beautiful film, rough watch, but I, you know, it, it, I still enjoyed it. What about you, James? Yeah, this is my um, probably third time watching this. I talked to Nabil on the drive here, and it's one of those movies that's hard to watch more than once. Truthfully, 
It's yeah. it's not one I, when people <laughs> like do Ghibli films. You're like, yo, let's watch Grave of the Fireflies. I'm like, I, okay. Well, I mean, I, here I thought that I wouldn't <laughs> be able to handle Raccoon Dick again in Pompanko, but <laughs> you know what? As hey. compared to this, you know what? Let's let's bring it. Yeah, you know what? Even that was a dark tale of uh, gentrification and <laughs> nature. Yeah. Shit, but, uh, that's better than seeing kids die, I guess, because kids straight up die in this movie, guys. Mm-hmm. Um, once again, like all the other Ghibli films, this is kind of just an umbrella spoiler for everything. But I mean, you see them, the, I mean, Seda dies in the first like two Opening minutes of film, film yeah. and then they Tarantino that shit to show you how to get to it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you get um, to see like people burn too when the bombing yeah. begins using yeah. incendiary bombs that just lights everything on fire. You see like burned Their corpses. Their mom is just like wrapped up and Nibble, you're talking about the maggots. Yeah. They're just walking around like, oh God, it's just, it's, it's brutal. Just, it's death it, and carnage all around. Yeah, and... it's probably one of the most uh, detailed and like gory deaths in um, in a Studio Ghibli film I've seen yeah. so, so far. But I think the imagery yeah, isn't so really, far. the imagery isn't really showing it for, you know, any kind of gore for for shock's sake, it is. It's no. a more realistic take of what people were living with. It's, uh, yeah, even showing like Setsuko's getting like rashes, like and just showing that she's getting weaker and weaker. And, right. I mean, and not even go with the negative stuff. I even like just the little moments where like Seda had like a bowl of rice, and they're like, "Oh, like I worked hard to get this, and yeah. like, I traded all this shit in." It's like really touching moments. It's, yeah. it's really sad. It even shows how you know war can even destroy a society. Within you have their aunt who took them in. Who is very menacing and bullish and just yeah. like such a fucking bitch. Just like telling them that they're she, worthless, she was, that they're not putting in their weight during, you know, during wartime. It's like she's the fucking kid's like four. Exactly. Fucking chill. And it shows like what desperate times, you know, it, what it does to people sometimes, you know, it, it, it make, makes them turn. Own, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. It makes them turn against each other, too. It's just kind of fucking fucked up and sad you know but oh yeah no definitely it's one of those things where um i once again so until nabil the director wasn't really going like anti-war here yeah he was trying to kind of convey of how like um how isolationism is like a failure overall and this is kind of like a like showing what happens to it because yeah. of japan's involvement in the war yep and i mean it does it gets to that point across i i still think there is a lot of anti-war kind of uh imagery in this one i mean there, there is i mean because yeah. I, I think so because I mean that's that's the overarching theme in almost all Studio Ghibli films is how something like, with nature or something about peace is the way to go. Yeah, yeah. and I mean like I know this this movie takes place in Japan during World War Two and like say what you will about what countries did in, during World War Two like every country eventually does something horrific in war and, and this just showcases just how horrible things can get during those times. So yeah. Um, so animation wise, this is the first one that uh, Nabil watched in HD. What would you think? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know pictures could be that crisp. He's like, shit. I mean, truthfully, this transfer is not even the best because this was not. This is one of the only Studio Ghibli films that is not owned entirely by them. Actually, oh really? I don't know if you guys knew that or not. No, I didn't. Know. I did it not. recently just became a G Kids thing. Up until then, it it shifted around. So that's why this is not included in uh, the eventual HBO Max thing. This will not be on there. That's, That's why, why it's, it's on Hulu, Hulu now. Yeah. Oh, so Good thing we have both. Yeah. So, I mean, it doesn't matter overall. I mean, I own them all too physically. So, uh, yeah. It's the only one that's not... Well, I mean, because during a lot of time, they had weird shit going on with their licensing so and distribution. So, yeah. A little side fact. But overall, though, what did you think about that animation? I thought animation was great. Comparing it to other ones we've seen. Yeah, the ones we, I, Compared I mean, to the standard definition ones. <laughs> He's like the lines were clear. The the string of films we've seen recently, the last I'd say 
what three films um i'd say this the animation quality on this is it's, it's a higher caliber um it could have been that i seen it in standard versus high like, depth they were all high caliber, they're all high caliber <laughs> but i i, I like no, no, the this animation one looks good, style though. yeah um it's not as i mean quote it's not animated as much it, it is a much more real take the people the environments that you're in the the um the colors are very um kind of they're you know muted like beige kind of thing and when you can see the moments of happiness that do show there's yeah. bright vivid colors that they are showing for a moment nice um so it's yeah. um i mean quality definitely different but i for I a movie that came out 31 years yeah, ago it's, it's held, held up incredibly so. well yeah very well uh, what do you think marco uh, I agree with Nabil, and I also think that it everything felt more kind of down to earth, more realistic. Yeah, I would say that. Uh, the, they use a the, lot of more muted colors in this one, yes, by the way, too. Yeah, the even the the animation was more sort of straightforward. There wasn't yeah. a lot of over over exaggerated reactions or anything like that because yeah. it tried to stay not, not at all. No, there's, there's very few anime tropes in this movie, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it basically almost presented itself like a standard anime. Which, but at the same time, with that Studio Ghibli feel to it, with yeah. beautiful visuals, camera angles, being made in 1988, it didn't look like a movie from 88. It looked more like kind of like a mid 90s, late 90s type yeah. of movie. So, uh, even like the. I mean, the, in comparison, Kiki's Delivery Service came out. Never mind, that's next year. Uh, in comparison, Prince mm-hmm. Mononoke came out <laughs> um, uh, so nine years later. I mean, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. it looked more modern than Nausicaa yeah. the Valley of the Wind, too, you know, mm-hmm. which, uh, I which mean, I mean it obviously it did. Before, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's still, the animation held up like most Studio Ghibli films. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I still enjoyed it. I think the only thing that I found bothersome was just some of the editing it just felt a little more abrupt more it, choppy it is only in this version by the way it does that for some odd reason yeah they i do, was gonna bring it, it up there's a lot of fade to blacks just mm-hmm. happen out of fucking nowhere yeah uh there's three different english dubs of this movie this is one of them this is technically one of the newer ones but there's two other ones. I have a copy of the other one, and it does not fade to black like that at all. Interesting. And just yeah, we're so cultured. We watch the dub version. Oh, I don't I give know. a shit, man. I just want. <laughs> I know. Just I'll to hear keep to keep up with the you know with the common theme. So. I'll hear the 46 year old playing a four year old voice. Fuck it, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, animation I think is really solid on this one. Like it's, I told you guys too previously. This was shown in Japan originally in 1980 as a double feature with My Neighbor Totoro, which is. Because they didn't think this one would do well by itself. I don't know. I mean, you guys could see why, probably. Yeah. I mean, see this shit because yeah. we have nightmares. Like, oh, now we're gonna watch something about a giant forest bunny. It did, I mean, it did give me some really weird dreams. I saw it late last night. So. Yeah. Um. So I mean, those are such two contrasting kind of movies in a way. That in there's quite spectrums. a few differences between those two movies, yeah. especially theme wise and also even just color wise. Yeah. Totoro. Pops a little more. I'm, I'm assuming obviously. Totoro is like the, the second movie in that double feature, right? The last one you see. You would hope. I you think it, the palette. I don't know it. how they did it. I think it would have been in the first one, probably. Yikes. Man. Because from what I heard, a lot of people walked out on like Grey of the Fireflies I'm sure. with their kids, like, oh, this is too, this is a little too deep. Yeah. So I put down something here. We've finally seen 11 Studio Ghibli films, guys. Mm-hmm. So technically, Marco. Oh, no. Shit. Has I, can a top top, 10. I can actually have a true top 10. Yeah, but we're not going to go through top no. 10 here. I just want you guys to let me know out of all the films we've seen so far, not though. I know you, Nabil, you've seen more right, than right, this, right. obviously, too. But um, just as a side note, what are the three out of the movies we've seen that you guys like so far? 
like you would recommend to people like hey the i've seen 11 of these fucking films finally these are the three that i'd say you you should watch out of this I, what i've seen so far we still have 11 to go we're at the halfway point now but yeah way, yeah which is nuts so uh starting with you nabil uh, for me, I, I mean, I, no particular order either. Okay. You know the, door. the three that I would recommend definitely is uh, Spirited Away. Uh, oh yeah. Princess Mononoke and uh, Kiki's Delivery Service. Yeah, solid, solids. Yeah. All three, some of my favorite films. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about you, Marco? I would say Castle in the Sky, Howl's Moving Castle, and... Let's go with the castle theme. <laughs> yeah. And Porco Rosso. Oh, nice. Nice, nice, nice. Uh, definitely Spirited Away. For me, I think uh, that's probably my favorite one yeah. uh, overall. Uh, Kiki's Delivery Service is, is a solid number two on there. And because I absolutely love it, Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind, by the way, oh, the which is not... That's also really good. That almost made my yeah. list, the, the, that little I've always liked three that pick list also. Which, and Kiki's Delivery Service, too. Another trivia fact, Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind is not actually a Studio Ghibli film, technically, because it was created before Studio Ghibli was created when they made Castle in the Sky. So now you guys got information. If a, someone a terrorist ever puts a gun to your head and asks you <laughs> Studio Ghibli trivia, you'd be like, "Thank God." What's the answer? He's like, "Wait, wait, wait, wait." The real first one's Castle in the Sky. Life or death situation, man. You could even be like, "Wait, but Lupin the Third was a movie too that uh, Hayao Miyazaki made it's before like, all this." <laughs> Just fucking shut up. So, guys, overall though, this movie, uh, would you recommend it to other people? Even though the subject matter itself is kind of a bit more mature, I think that there's not enough uh, stories about. World War Two from the Japanese side of things, and I don't even necessarily mean their perspective, but just seeing just like even know, a story, yeah, yeah, a story about Japan's involvement in the war. So if you are interested, and I know a lot of people are uh, history buffs in, about World War Two, um, I would recommend seeing this. I think it'd yeah, be nice. a good, good kind of history lesson. Uh, Marco, uh, I would, yeah, I would recommend it. And to echo what Nabil was saying, not all civilians should suffer from the sins of their governments. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I was another thing we we're talking about. It's it's just like two young innocent people are affected by adults and something they had nothing to do with. So And if you noticed, um Saita didn't even want to join the war or go. Like he supported his father, you know, being a military man. Yeah. But the whole time that everyone's telling him go fight, go be a military person, he avoided it and chose to be a pacifist. Yep. So, guys, uh, that's the end of our mini review here. Just a heads up, we are going to be going on a slight hiatus on these things. Because uh, Nabil lives on the other side of the country now, it's a little harder to watch these all together or to kind of throw around a copy. So, uh, with HBO Max getting this Studio Ghibli library coming out in May 2020, we will be resuming it in a few months there. Yep. So, we're going to have to bring back topics of the week. So, we know you guys are going to enjoy that, too. Top Actually, 10 list. Here we come. But truthfully, Nabil does have a new segment he's working on that we will be bringing up on the next pod. So uh, we will be talking about it then. So, it's just tough where he's from. There's no internet. So, you know, he doesn't live in society anymore. He's like, I heard the Netflix shows are good out yeah, here. You guys heard the pod the last pod, so you know already the struggles. He does have access to delicious barbecue, though. So it is very that. good. Okay. All right. So <laughs> let's move on now to our main review of the new Ryan Johnson film, Knives Out. Harlan started out with a rusty Smith Corona and built himself into one of the best-selling mystery writers of all time. 30 languages, over 80 million copies sold. You guys fans? I mean, I don't do much fiction reading myself. Big fan. I'm a big fan. Who is that guy? Uh, Mr. Blanc is a private investigator of great renown. I read a tweet about a New Yorker article about you. You're famous. 
The night of his demise, the family had gathered to celebrate your father's 85th birthday. And your son, Ransom, did he attend as well? Yes, but he left early. I think Linda was upset. Walt would get a little Irish courage in him. He'd get into it with Harlan. What? Richard said what? Are you baiting me, detective? Attempting to be thorough so we can figure out the manner of death. You mean if someone killed him? <laughs> you think one of us, one of his family, Walt, Walt. killed him? Mr. Blanc, I just buried my father who committed suicide. Why are you here? I suspect foul play. So the IMD description of this film is a detective investigates the death of a patriarch of a eccentric, combative family. This is directed by Ryan Johnson. He directed Brick in 2005, The Brothers Bloom in 2008, and Looper in 2012. Hasn't done anything since then. That's no, weird. nothing. Else. So this stars Daniel Craig as Benoit Blanc. Chris, uh, Chris Evans. This is a big list, by the way. Chris Evans as Random Drysdale. Anna de Armas as Marta Cabrera. Jamie Lee Curtis as Linda Drysdale, Michael Shannon as Walt Thromby, Don Johnson as Richard Drysdale, Tony Collette as Joni Thromby, Lakeith Stanfield as Lieutenant Elliot, Christopher Plummer as Harlan Thromby, Catherine Langford as Meg Thromby, Jaden Martell as Jacob Thromby, and Edie Patterson as Fran. So, starting with you, Nabil, yay or nay? Uh, yay. Just straight. Great yay. film, yay. Yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, okay. And uh, Marco, just a yay or nay there as well with you. Yay. Hard nay. Hard nay? Hard yay. Hard yay. Okay. <laughs> Am I fucking up my yay and nays again? Again. Fuck. I'm like, sir, this is not the movie you started in Terminator Dark. <laughs> I know, right? No, it's, a, up, it's a hard yay for me. Yeah, for me too, guys. This is a hard yay. We're going to break it down for you why this is a good movie and why Ryan Johnson should stay away from Star Wars and just no. do stuff like this going forward. Um, so, Nabil, <laughs> what worked for you here? You know, um, there's there's a middle part of the film not even like a quarter into the film they kind of give away what you think is like the whole film and you're like oh so now we're just gonna uh, follow what's gonna happen yeah people trying to cover up shit right? yeah exactly. bold move cotton and i was yeah, like i, was I like, guess Ooh, what's so solid. special about this film and then you start getting more and more enthralled and there's twist after twist that just continues on you don't realize it and i kept wanting to see what what happens um, what happens next? And that isn't something you get to see in a lot of mystery films. You either, and not saying that you can't call it in this if after a certain point, but it's something where most films, once it, once you figure it out, you're done. You're like, you know, I know how this is gonna go. It's just all filler for you. That's not how I felt. Kind of guess around, but yeah. Okay, yeah. This like you, you still don't quite know every character's motivation, what's going on, how they're gonna react, and um, I thought that was just really well planned, uh, planned out, and kind of put out on screen for you uh what about you marco uh i liked the reveal also i liked how it was a nice tactic to like how nabil said to to throw you off and keep you guessing because it's it just sort of you know makes you think i'm like there's no way someone would give it away that quickly in their own movie and then you know not not leave anything else i know some people had a problem with that but i i actually enjoyed it because it in a way it relieves some of the tension but then it creates more Oh yeah, definitely. So, because now they've created another scenario where right. somebody now, I'm, you know, we'll talk about spoilers, obviously, but you technically find out early on, like this is the person that technically killed um, Thrombi, uh Harlem, right? Yeah. So, and it's kind of like Nabil is like saying, like oh, you're like, oh, okay, so I mean, I guess it's just that person trying to cover cover him or herself up, right? And I think because of that, though, that adds more tension to every scene because yeah. now. 
you got to realize, I was like, man, there's still like an hour and a half worth of this exactly. fucking movie left. Yeah. So like, where are on? they gonna go with this, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And no, I like that too. That was a good. That's a good little way to kind of turn it on its own head and, and uh, for your own kind of um, expectations to kind of just turn it and just be like, well, actually, this is what we're focusing on now too. There's a murder, but there's also a family plot that's going on too on it top make, of this. It know? makes you forget certain details too. Oh yeah. Little subtle reveals from earlier in the movie or in the middle of the movie because. It, it sort of starts to linger in the back of your mind, like, wait a minute. It sort of, you know, if I was like you. double guessing, I was like, maybe same. This is, maybe I'm like, she's lying. Maybe he's yeah. lying. You I was know, like, okay, Ryan Johnson, I see you. Uh, I feel, I also like the the chemistry amongst the actors. They really did felt like a dis- dysfunctional family. Yeah, it felt and, organic. Yeah, absolutely. They all have their little quirks, really good their own little moments. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, every single one of them. I didn't uh, have one that. I did not like. I just thought that it was the movie is very well casted. That's one thing I will give Ryan Johnson is that he knows how to cast his actors and has a really great eye for talent. So this movie really showed that. Uh, I will say two of the characters I think are not touched upon too much. Meg, who's played by Catherine Langford. Um, I don't think. I mean, they try to make a bigger deal out of her. She's the daughter of Tony Collette's uh, character Joni, and she kind of double crosses Marta in a way later on in the movie right. yeah she was sort of just there she's kind of there and especially uh that little fuck from uh it jaden martell <laughs> who plays uh jacob yeah, the kids why, why, fully why did i kept expecting him to stutter in the Bro, movie he talked like twice yeah they they served for plot that's what they were but wearing. it's funny because he's described as like a super right conservative and yeah he says an off-color comment toward latinos but outside of that i mean He's just always on his phone, and yeah. they, they they called him sort of like a, a troll, so an internet yeah, troll, which, which it makes and, sense. And the guy's like, he's pretty much Hitler or some shit, or, you know, so I thought it would have been funny if they kind of delved more into that, like, oh, this guy's is really fucking racist, right? True. But, but And yeah, they make the off-color comments, like, he's jacking off in the bathroom. I'm like, <laughs> okay, I mean, that's kind of funny. But... Those two are the ones that I don't think they touch too much they upon. Did. Everyone no, else they, is the they main didn't have much screen though. time or anything, but no. it, it still worked. They're, I mean, no, don't get me wrong. Enough. It works. They're, everyone's pretty well written outside yeah. of those two, I'd say. Um, I did enjoy the performances. Like I said, I really think um, Tony Collette's character Joni is really good. Um, she's been really surprising uh, as a as an actress yeah, in the last yeah. couple of years with she's, Hereditary and this too. Um, I really like Jamie Lee Curtis a lot too in this one. Yeah, she just reminds me of people I know. I'm like, oh man, don't don't <laughs> piss this lady off. And then of course Chris Evans as random is uh, is really really good and a <laughs> scene stealer in every yeah. scene he's in. Not to mention Daniel Craig, of course, as Benoit Blanc, um, a sort of Colonel Sanders kind of motherfucker. Fucking Foghorn Leghorn. So I mean, as you guys probably know, I one of my favorite films and top ten films probably. Um, one day we'll go over our overall top ten, but. Uh, the 1985 film Clue is one of my favorite films, and yes. this movie has a lot of those vibes of that film. Yes, especially the last 15 minutes. I I would suppose <laughs> if you know what I mean, where they're making like, well, this is where they came from here, mm-hmm. da, 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 you know. And then I'm like, damn, this is just like fucking uh, tit for tack, and this is like they're showing you the reveals. Daniel Craig's character at first, you don't quite know if they're like, is he real about this shit? Is he? Everyone's like yeah. a questionable motive and. Even he doesn't actually know why he's quite there, which is he's kind quite of a cool suspect thing. throughout the, almost the entire movie up until the end because you're yeah. just sort of like, what's this guy? But deal? when they do the reveal, I'm like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. You know mm. what I mean, fun fact: I've never seen Clue. Oh wow! You... Is it a fun fact? That sounds very unfun for you. 
You need to watch it. I grew up watching that movie a lot. Get Don't rent it, Bill. We Get used to rent it even like all the time. Like one of those films you walk in, like, oh, we rent Clue today. Yeah. I mean, I used to play the board game a lot. Um, but uh, I never. Quite seen arguably, movie. I would say Clue has one of the a really good solid ensemble cast. Now yeah, I'm doing does. a review of Clue here. I don't give a shit. <laughs> and um, I will say, what's his name? Um, Tim Curry. Tim Curry is fantastic in that movie. Yeah, he's wonderful. Hands yeah, down. I I hear great things about it. I yeah. I want to see it. I just haven't gotten around to it. Yeah, it's on the, uh, it's on the Voodoo, by the way. If you want to check it out. I, I saw. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, oh look, I can finally shit. see this fucking movie. Yeah. So uh, side note, aside, guys. I don't even want to go into memorable scenes yet. Let's just jump into spoilers because I, I do want to talk about the plot here. And it's really hard Same. for this movie without doing spoilers. So Very true. We're going to have some kind of a strange techno music probably play right here. So uh, just listen to this jam out and just come back. Yeah, Go see the movie if you haven't seen it yet and then come back for spoilers. All right, guys. So spoiler section here um overall so it is revealed that marta at first appears to have killed harlan by giving him a lot of morphine yeah yeah which our character elliot from mr robot probably would have took as a champ he'd be fine he'd be yeah he'd be like that's just a typical tuesday <laughs> yeah so um thoughts on this supposed murder at first when they make the reveal i want to say the first part before we find out anymore did that like that actually was kind of shocking i was like oh shit it was like an accident right yeah so, i i like the whole time i was like fuck it really was like a a suicide he really did kill himself because he was gonna die anyway i was like huh interesting i why, thought it was why reveal it only an hour but in then the movie? i sort of thought i was like maybe marta's lying though yeah yeah see, i was thinking see, that she did it on purpose because they first. showed the blood on her like, shoe right yeah. but i guess that's from the neck Things mm-hmm. squirting out like oh, okay. but and but I took that as a, a I was like, as, as a sign that she's she's not as innocent yeah. she's not as innocent as yeah. she seems like she has something in it too. But then as you kind of realize through the film, and also Benoit brings it up, she's actually an incredibly nice person <laughs> yeah, that has she is. nothing but good intentions. Which was like coming from such a cynical like uh, like time in our lives and during what's going on now. I was like, Which, I can't trust anyone. And then I'm like, well, actually. Yeah. Person, Which, by the way, Anna Dharma's nailed it. She did incredible in this freaking movie. Yeah, I really do hope she gets like more prominent roles because she she was amazing in this movie. Yeah, she's like really it. good in this one. She's very likable. Yeah, because yeah. you, you very feel trustworthy. For her too. Yeah, you feel for her too. She's stuck in she's, the middle. She of this feels kind of guilty issue. the whole time. She's just trying to you know do what's right. Okay, so then it is revealed though that Random actually swapped the vials, right, in order to kind of trick her into. At first, he kind of did it so because he wanted to give him too much, right? Right. So, but then it is revealed eventually that truthfully, Marta's really good at her job, and she can tell by the the weight the weight the of weight. the bottle. Like she didn't have to look at which one was which. Mm-hmm. She actually technically never gave Harlan too much, and he actually did end up killing himself mm-hmm. in the premise of thinking that he was dying. So actually, it's revealed that hey, if he had called that ambulance, he'd be alive because they'd be like, "You're yeah. fine." So, yeah. what you guys think about that? It was a good overall twist. reveal. You know, I liked I it, too. it was a really good twist. Um, I liked the line where, what just twist. like you said, where where it was that he didn't have to kill himself, and if at he just all, it was to just you, li- yeah, you know, like that right there does two parts for 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 kind of how you look at it because it's like, 
one, he made an ultimate sacrifice because yeah. he didn't want he wanted her to be taken care of, and two, she was like willing to own up to whatever was going to happen to make sure that he was alive, but. He was being persistent otherwise. So, And he really did put in the forefront just how terrible his family was. And that's one of the main reasons he took them all out of the will. Because little by little, he started to see like what pieces of shit they really were. And didn't really yeah. you know, deserve to, quote unquote, stay in the family he, because he they were wanted, taken out of the yeah, will. He wanted them to, to basically fend for themselves. Because they all, yeah. Because yeah. once it was revealed that Marta would become the the heir of of his fortune like everybody like even the ones who were nice to her or or quote unquote her allies they just turned on her yeah yeah. it was just like you know what they were here you go you know pull the drapes away these all these people are fucking horrible what was your guys memorable scene then that you like the most out of this one for the most part like which one stood out to you like if you're gonna remember this one bill um by honestly i think the best scene was was this the car chase (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he's like that was the shittiest car chase <laughs> he's like why do we exactly that was funny i didn't realize what they were gonna say but you know when they went into the car or when daniel craig was in the car with like telling her so he made you drive you know and he's not like, stop and he kind of just points out like, yeah that was weird yeah i i like that too because it was very meta yeah he, Ryan Johnson was making fun of his own Star Wars chase because everyone said, why didn't the person. Rebels just slow down and let the Empire overshoot them? And he did that in this movie, and yeah. I thought it was fucking hilarious. Mm-hmm. So I was like, ha, 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 nice one, Ryan Johnson. But I mean, a Star Wars movie, huh? Yep. Um, I thought the one that stood out to me is probably the, uh, the ending scene where Chris Evans tries to stab Marta. Yeah, that was And uh, <laughs> they, they fall back to the uh, when Harlan kind of said, like, how bad does it have to get when someone doesn't realize they're holding a prop knife mm-hmm. as opposed to a real one? And which is kind of, I, I thought it's smart. It just kind of relates back to how out of sync his own family is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That they're like so up in their own asses that they don't realize what's really going on. Yeah. Like obviously he wouldn't leave a bunch of fucking knives on the wall. Mm-hmm. He's just kind of, it's funny, right? It's yeah. like, oh, no, it was good. they're all fake. Yep. Yeah. He's got kids and shit running around. <laughs> or weird 16 year olds, whatever. And I, I liked it because he thinks he stabbed her and he's like, ah, shit. And it's just like, it's <laughs> a good ending to it all, you know? Yeah. I like that part a lot. It is The slow motion, it's just super fucking ridiculous. Very yeah. anticlimactic, yeah. but you it got, works. You got a lot of like open eyes like, yeah. whoa. It's all in the trailer and shit. You just don't see Chris Evans because they didn't reveal that part. Yeah. Um, I liked it a lot, though. Uh, yeah. What would you say didn't work overall in the movie? What was like something that you wish they had kind of looked into a little more or cut out of the film or added a little more to something to bill um honestly i think that they, they should have spent a little bit more time with uh christopher Plummer and j- just I, I mean we could kind of see where he was he's obviously older They're, they were setting up kind of like a lot of sprinkling of hints with the relationship with the other characters yeah but i would have just liked to just see because he's obviously very wealthy maybe see a bit more about him and his interactions with the family in more detail in some instances the film already kind of runs pretty long they only general, pretty much show the the day leading into right. the party yeah i would have liked to see just how those relationships especially specifically with random because obviously there's this thing between him and random that they do touch on um versus him and marta and they give him and marta's relationship time to, to grow in the show or in the movie but um I would have liked to see a little bit more with him and Random, just to feel that dynamic. Especially when he, he I think way. he mentions at one point that he sees a lot of himself in Random, right? right? Exactly. So I, I don't think they touch upon that too much. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Marco? Uh, I, w- I would say, yeah, I would have liked to see more of Random, because he sort of doesn't come into the picture until 
closer to the end of the movie. So, well, I guess not really. He's he's like halfway. He's he's like, yeah, he's mentioned here and there, but he comes in a little too late. And I mean, like you said, Chris Evans is a scene stealer also. So it would have been a little bit better. His sarcasm is just fucking really. Yeah. Yeah, His assholeness is just It's like, a change of pace from seeing him as Captain America 2 for so long. Oh, yeah. Damn. Yeah, that and maybe seeing a little bit more, like, from the kids. Because, I, I mean, as, you know, as good as good of actors as they are, they weren't really they weren't that necessary. Yeah, they weren't yeah. utilized that well. It could have been anybody, really. Like, Absolutely. Oh, yeah, I guess. And Meg. I thought they were trying to mention more shit with Meg at one point. I'm like, okay, she's vaping. She's yeah. going to school. What is wrong with her? And then I was like, actually, I guess not much. She's actually really nice to Marta. Yeah, <laughs> at, at some point I was like, those two are staying awfully quiet. How crazy would it be if they were both in cahoots and it was the kids? But, oh. You know, a little too dark. That would be hilarious, actually. And then, yeah. Like, it was them the whole time. I'm like, say what? <laughs> Um, yeah, I would say, yeah, uh, the kids are the main focus for me on this one. Um, it would have been cool to see a little bit more with the, the grandma, I guess, too. She was kind of creepy. <laughs> she was kind of funny. <laughs> she, she was, was kind of hilarious. And I like I like that Daniel Craig's character was actually really kind toward her since yeah. she definitely was, like, no one had actually even told her, like, condolences, which right? is, like, showed you and how her shitty son. that family is. Yeah. yeah. But she's how also... How fake they are. Yeah, but, I mean... On top of that, though, I can I can maybe see it because like they're you literally yelling at her to say stuff like, "Hey, did you eat yet? Did I you mean, eat yet? it was funny did that they said, "How old is she?" And she's like, "115, yeah. I think." I have no idea. <laughs> and then one guy's like, "She ate a whole salmon platter." Already. Yeah. Okay. Like, God damn, <laughs> Nana, she's beasting that shit. So uh, it's just one of those things where they ever it just showed you how out of touch everyone is. Yeah. Yeah. And they are, they're only there for their own personal gain, and it kind of shows day, you yeah. the whole... And it, it, it's cool, because Harlan himself saw through all of them eventually, mm-hmm. and that's why he leaves everything to Martha, and it's kind of like a big fuck you to them, right? Uh, which is nice. So, uh, overall, any closing thoughts, guys? Uh, I just... I I like the, like the deeper undertones in the movie as well. I thought yeah. that there was, like, a lot more than meets the eye throughout the film. I'm not going to get into it, like, now we're near the end of the pod, but... Yeah. I, I like that too. Like if you're really watching the movie, like there there is a lot of dualities with the meaning of everything, the family, their shittiness, and how they're treating Marta. I think like future viewings, you'll you'll probably catch on more. Yeah, too, uh, uh, absolutely. And like the the way like the whole inheritance is handled and stuff like that is yeah. you know you you inherit what you are. If you're you know a shitty person, you know you're gonna inherit shit. If you're a nice person, maybe good things will happen to you. But yeah. Um, Aside from that, it's an enjoyable movie. Definitely go see it. Um, I would definitely give it a second viewing. And if not, it's definitely a renter. Uh, what about you, Bill? Uh, it's definitely worth a watch. I would say um, I look forward to um, hoping that they maybe do a sequel. I think that the the trouble with it only is that they need to find a dynamic ensemble cast again. Whereas where they had the... James, uh, cutting the bill off right now, please. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, like they can, bring, to, Brack, they can bring, bring back Benoit Blanc. So there's too many yeah, there. Daniel Craig definitely back into, into the fold. sort of like a murder on the Orient Express. Well, that's how they do the it. The only right? problem with it is that in that film they do spend a lot of time with the detective more. Yeah. In this film, it's more the ensemble cast and then the detective. And is he's there. like the mysterious right. third party guy so that comes the, in. Yeah. That'll be kind of I think a hard, a more difficult thing. To, it's to just about the family. Up. They're tra- They're back at it again, yeah, trying to get the house it. back. <laughs> and Marta's dead. Like okay, I guess. Direct to video. Happened. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Ryan Johnson, you don't know how to make the second movie too well. But definitely worth watching. Yeah, definitely. I enjoyed this one a lot. It's really smart. Uh, pacing's good. For it's a pretty long movie too, by the way. Yeah, you know, like two hours, 15, 20 minutes. But it doesn't feel like you. Like no, you said you it's, keep it's, it's, it's intriguing. You want to know what's going on. It has some great yeah. um, 
actors and actresses in this one a lot too. Some standout performances, and I think it's one of those movies that, uh, with repeat viewings, like Marco said, you're going to notice a lot more subtle things where they probably hint at a lot more even early on in the film oh, about yeah. the overall plot and what the conclusion will be. So, um, yeah, check it out, guys. It's a good one. So, All right, guys, that is the end of podcast number 61. Thank you guys for listening, for all the feedback, response, and reviews. Marco, let them know how they can see us or uh, reach out to us. Uh, reach out or check us out on our Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at MoviePalsPod. Also, if you check us out on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, Spotify, or SoundCloud, hit that subscribe button and you'll never miss an episode. Thank you so much for all the feedback, all the recommendations, as James was saying. And if you have a suggestion, just let us know. We'll listen to you. Definitely. And uh, tune in next time, guys, for episode number 62, where we'll be reviewing the new Disney animated (laughs) film, Frozen 2. I know a lot of you guys are looking forward to that, I guess. Oh, yeah, and the bill's, and the bill's oh, ready. I'm so thrilled. He's wearing an so Elsa thrilled. wig as we speak. And Marco doesn't probably know what that is. All right, so <laughs> until then, guys, this is James. And Marco. And Nabil. Have a good one.